This is Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. Here's your host, Francesco Garaletta. Regardless of the amazing results of uh, deep learning technology in uh, several fields, mainly computer vision, but also healthcare and finance, the secret behind deep learning is not really a secret. It is what mathematicians refer to as function optimization. Now, what a neural network does is basically optimizing a function. For instance, let's take the image classifier example. A network is basically fed with an image and a label, let's say the image of a cat and the label cat. And what the network actually does during training is setting a very high number of parameters such that given a similar image in the future, it will return a similar label or actually the same label. So you might say, where's the optimization? Well, optimization means minimizing or maximizing a function. And in this case, the function is the difference between the predicted value and the true value. So this function is usually referred to as the loss function. There are actually two families of methods uh, for minimizing or maximizing functions in mathematics. And these are the first order method and second order method. Now, the first order methods usually minimize or maximize a function, in our case, the loss function, using its gradient. So what is the gradient? The definition of the gradient is is actually quite complicated, but what it basically is, is a multivariable generalization of the derivative. So while the gradient is a vector-valued function, as opposed to a derivative, which is a scalar value, like the derivative function, the gradient represents the slope of the tangent of the graph of the function. So basically tells us if the function is going up or down. Most widely used first-order method is the so-called gradient descent, but of course there are a lot of variants uh, of of this family of of algorithm, uh, as I will illustrate in this episode. Then there are second-order methods, and these methods uh, use the second derivative to minimize or maximize the function. Now the second derivative is also referred to as the Hessian, and since the second derivative is very intense to compute, because it's the derivative of the derivative of the function. Second-order methods are barely used, uh, especially for real-life scenarios where there are a lot of data and a lot of parameters, and they can be extremely slow. Probably one of the most used and famous second-derivative method for minimizing functions is the so-called LBFGS, which stands for Limited Memory Broyden Fletcher Goldfarb Channel who are the four mathematicians who invented it. Now, it turns out that computers are very good at minimizing only a specific family of functions, so-called convex functions. All other cases are just troublemakers. So when is a function convex? In order to explain the property of convexity of a function, let me make a practical example. Think about a large drinking cup and a bowl. Now, let the ball roll from the border of the cup down. Obviously, the ball will roll down towards the bottom of the cup, and then it will oscillate a bit, eventually landing towards the lowest point of the cup. This point is called the minimum. Now, the mathematical function that describes the drinking cup is a convex function. It turns out that the minimum, in this case, is also a global minimum. 
in the sense that the ball cannot go lower than that. In addition to that, there is just one such point, which means that the ball cannot go anywhere else. And so mathematicians say that the minimum is global and unique. And all of this is possible just because the function of the drinking cup is convex. If it were not, the ball could have been into a local minimum and we would have never known if there were other minima somewhere else, definitely lower than the current one. Now back to neural networks. The drinking cup is the loss function of the differences between the predicted value and the true one. If that function is convex, finding a minimum is going to be a piece of cake for basically any algorithm. While convexity is a convenient mathematical property that plays a fundamental role in function optimization, many real-world examples do not always have such properties. The horsepower of any neural network, regardless of their architecture and number of neurons, is the optimizer that will tune all the parameters of the network. And this component, the function optimizer, is the only part of a neural network that will determine how fast training it really is and how accurate the network will predict new samples. Now, most of research in deep learning has been spinning around exactly this component, the function optimizer, which is very well known to computer scientists and mathematicians. Gradient descent is one of the most popular algorithms to perform optimization and by far the most common way to optimize neural networks today. At the same time, every state-of-the-art deep learning library contains implementations of a number of algorithms to optimize gradient descent. Gradient descent is a way to minimize an objective function, in our case the loss function, j, parameterized by a model's parameter theta. So we have usually the function j of theta. This minimization occurs by updating the parameters in the opposite direction of the gradient of the objective function. So we just need to calculate the gradient of this function and follow the negative gradient, which basically means going towards the, the valley of the function. Now, there are two ingredients to keep an eye on every time we make function optimization, which is the direction towards which we minimize and, of course, the learning rate. The learning rate determines the size of the steps that we are going to take in order to reach a minimum. In other words, we follow the direction of the slope of the surface created by the objective function downhill until we reach a valley and when we start going up again, we stay there because that's the minimum. There are a number of variants of uh, gradient descent algorithms. There is batch gradient descent, which computes the gradient of the cost function with respect to the parameter theta for the entire training dataset. In this case, we need to calculate the gradients for the whole dataset in order to perform just one update. You can understand that batch gradient descent can be extremely slow when we have a lot of data or absolutely not tractable for data that do not fit in the memory of our computer. The second family is stochastic gradient descent. With stochastic gradient descent, we mitigate this uh, problem of performing just one update on the entire dataset. And indeed, a stochastic gradient descent performs a parameter update for each training example X and label Y. So in the image classifier example, if we have a million images, we just update the parameters for every pair image label. 
Now, stochastic gradient descent avoids performing one update at a time, which is good. And indeed, for this reason, it is very, very fast, much faster than, uh, than the batch gradient descent. And in addition to that, can also be used for online learning. So as new images come, we basically feed the network with new observations. However, due to the frequent updates, the objective function can heavily fluctuate and therefore generate uh, inconsistencies. The third family of gradient descent algorithms is the mini-batch gradient descent, which basically takes the best of both worlds and performs an update for every mini-batch of n training examples. Now, no matter which family of gradient descent algorithms we are using, they all have to tackle with fundamental challenges, the first of which is choosing a proper learning rate, which is very, very difficult. The learning rate is fundamental for convergence because when the learning rate is too small, we have a painfully slow convergence towards the minimum, while a learning rate that is too large can hinder convergence and cause the loss function to fluctuate around the minimum or even to diverge. And therefore, choosing the optimal learning rate is an open problem. The same learning rate is usually applied to all parameter updates and therefore all features. But if our data is sparse and our features have very different frequencies in the sense that the objective function can slope down very quickly and very regularly in certain directions and uh, can stay steady and quite smooth across other directions, well, these directions should be updated in a different way with different learning rates. And therefore, features that have very different frequencies should also have very different learning rates. So we, not, we might not want to update all of them to the same extent, but we would like to perform a larger update for rarely occurring features and the other way around. The third challenge that all gradient descent algorithms have to tackle with is, the, is represented by local minima. And this is due to non-convexity in the, in the objective function, which is another key challenge uh, because when uh, uh, in the real world, in real world applications, objective functions are not always convex and therefore they might be uh, local minima um, and uh, discovering the global minimum is going to be extremely hard. But one of the most difficult problems to solve is the problem of uh, local minima around saddle points, which is points where one dimension slopes up and another slopes down from which it is very difficult to escape and many, many algorithms, minimization algorithms, get stuck in these so-called saddle points. So how do we tackle with these challenges and still allow neural networks and deep learning to indeed learn from the data? Well, we use several strategies that are hereby summarized. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list. There are many more algorithms uh, many of them are customized for specific problems, but generally speaking, these are the guidelines that you should consider to optimize your minimization uh, in deep learning. Stochastic gradient descent has been shown to have a lot of trouble navigating ravines, that is, areas where the surface curves uh, much more steeply in one dimension than in another. We mentioned the saddle points. So in these cases, stochastic gradient descent is very likely to fail. And so momentum is a method that can help accelerate stochastic gradient descent in the relevant direction by dampening oscillations 
and therefore converging faster. In order to explain momentum, let's go back to the uh, drinking cup and the ball. Using momentum means pushing the ball down the hill, down the cup. And the ball will accumulate momentum as it rolls downhill, becoming faster and faster on the way. Now, the same thing happens to our parameter updates. The momentum term increases for dimensions whose gradients point in the same directions and reduces updates for dimensions whose gradients change directions. And as a result, we gain faster convergence and reduced oscillation. A second strategy to speed up the convergence of a stochastic gradient descent algorithm is provided by the Nesterov accelerated gradient. Going back to the example of the drinking cup and the ball, imagine we would like to have a smarter ball, a ball that has a notion of where it is going so that it knows to slow down before the hill slopes up again. This is exactly what the Nesterov accelerated gradient does. And indeed, it gives an, an approximation of the next position of the parameters. Uh, the gradient is missing for the full update. It provides us a rough idea where our parameters are going to be. And now we can effectively look ahead by calculating the gradient, not with respect to the current parameters theta, but with respect to the estimation, to the approximate future position of our parameters. Usually, the momentum term is set to a value of around 0.9, just in case you are using an NAG. A third variant of uh, the stochastic gradient descent family of algorithms is uh, ADAGRAD. ADAGRAD adapts the learning rate to the parameters, performing larger updates for infrequent parameters and smaller updates for frequent parameters. This strategy speeds up optimization of objective functions that are quite irregular along some directions and quite flat or regular along some others. And this is also the case for dealing with sparse data. Adagrad's main weakness, uh, however, is uh, the accumulation of the squared gradients in the denominator. So I'm saving a bit the mathematics behind the Adagrad met method, but basically there is an accumulation of the squared gradients in the denominator of the parameter update. And since every added term is always positive, this accumulated sum, as small as it can be, keeps growing and growing during training. And this in turn will cause the learning rate to shrink uh, and eventually become infinitesimally small because a, a number that becomes larger and, and larger to the denominator uh, of something will make that something smaller and smaller, at which point the algorithm is no longer able to acquire additional knowledge and therefore it stops learning, it stops updating the parameters and therefore there is no, no more improvement. So there is a, an algorithm that can fix this uh, accumulation of um, squared gradients in the denominator, and uh, this is provided by ADA delta. ADA delta is an extension of ADA grad that seeks to reduce its aggressive and monotonically decreasing learning rate. So instead of accumulating all past squared gradients, ADA delta restricts the window of accumulated past gradients to some fixed value, some fixed size w. This approach is usually referred to as gradient clipping. The last method that I'm going to show in this episode is the Adam approach. 
Adam stands for Adaptive Moment Estimation. Adam calculates adaptive learning rates for each parameter, and in addition to storing an exponentially decaying average of past squared gradients, like in Ada Delta and Ada Grad, Adam also keeps an exponentially decaying average of past gradients M, uh, a bit similarly to the momentum strategy. So M and V, these are two estimates of the first moment and the second moment, respectively the mean and the uncentered variance of the gradients. And um, in the original paper, the authors show empirically that Adam converges as expected from the theoretical analysis. Indeed, they apply the Adam optimizer to a number of algorithms like the logistic regression on the MNIST character recognition data set, on the IMDB sentiment analysis data set. Uh, they also use it for uh, updating the multilayer perception uh, on the MNIST data set and the convolutional neural networks on the CIFAR 10 image recognition data set. And they empirically show that Adam is probably the best optimizer uh, so far. So which optimizer to use? Well, while this is not meant to be an episode that exhaustively explores all the aspects of function minimization for deep learning, there are some fundamental guidelines that should be considered to improve the accuracy of a deep learning model and definitely increase the speed of convergence. If input data is sparse, one should consider one of the adaptive learning rate methods. That's for sure, because as a consequence, it will not be necessary to tune the learning rate manually in order to achieve the best results. And usually using the default value in this method is uh, already helpful. Ada Delta and Adam are mathematically very similar and therefore they're expected to have similar results in similar scenarios. While only empirically, Adam is without any doubt the best of all the adaptive algorithms and uh, keeps improving at the end of the optimization when gradients become sparser, so Adam might be the best overall choice. Generally speaking, stochastic gradient descent will get to the minimum even though it might struggle a bit near saddle points, taking a bit longer to converge. In such cases, random initialization and annealing schedule strategies can improve convergence quite a bit. As a general rule, while stochastic gradient descent is good and reliable for simple networks, whenever you are dealing with more complex and deeper network, you should choose one of the adaptive learning rate methods for a faster convergence. I hope you enjoyed the episode and, well, happy optimization! This was Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. If you like the show, don't forget to write a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbean. You can also find us on datascienceathome.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and get the latest updates. Thanks for listening.